In a new age world filled with delusions and wish fulfillment by morons in need of attention, renowned experiencers of high strangeness and podcasters Jeffrey Ritzman and Jeremy Vaney received invitations to a tropical paradise getaway called Paratopia. Little did they know, it was the same type of new age spiritual retreat they've been avoiding all their lives. Don't be shy. Exopolitics is attractive to young people. <laughs> Just like drugs and alcohol. Come on, you can shake it. Yeah. Everyone in paranormal research should just work together. <laughs> Anything goes in Paratopia. <laughs> and welcome. Happy Holidays, Paratopia. Dr. Richard Boylan here. You may remember me from the time I got disbarred in the state of California for taking a hot tub with some sexually abused clientele, mainly female. You may also remember that I enjoyed getting fully nude massages from sexually abused clientele mainly female. You might also remember that I inappropriately uh, convinced people who had some nightmares that they were alien abductees and uh, hypnotized them and, uh, well, probably implanted some memories in there they didn't have, but uh, nevertheless, I'm back. I'm still hot-tubbing, and uh, I'm a doctor again. Well, not officially, I mean, I'm still disbarred from practicing, but I've created a new doctoral program, because you see, I'm an ambassador to the scientists of Mars, so I'd like to teach you how to be an ambassador, or a doctor, to the scientists from Mars. It's not actually that difficult. So this holiday season, give yourself a little gift. The gift of diplomacy. Or a diploma. One of the two. I'll definitely give you one of the two. Maybe even both. Provided you graduate with honors. And that includes hat tubbing. Because that's where I... Hey! Get down from there! No! No! That is not a water slide! Prove you're a moron. Sign up for Alien Diplomacy today. Hundreds of dollars of hidden charges may apply. Paratopia. Jeremy Vaney here. Jeff Ritzman there. Tim Banal over yonder way. Tim, Yo. ba- Tim Banal, you may know from uh, a little uh, sort of, um, well, it's confusing because the name of his show is Banal of America, so you wouldn't really know what that show is about, who it's about, who the star is. <laughs> oh, wait, no, it's actually com- Complete Narcissism, Tim? Is that what that was? The whole show, the whole name came up by accident, so it was never really... It really started as a vanity project as a joke, and then, then I was like, I think I'll write about the paranormal. What about Banal like, of the like, Earth? have a URL. Why aren't What's you Banal of the Earth? It's supposed to be like a takeoff of Mall of America. Ah, well played, sir. Uh, well, Jeff is uh, properly drunk. <coughs> That's not true. Not true. Um, Tim, are you, are you hopped up on the, uh, the eggnog, or, or no? No, not yet, but there's always a chance. Okay. There's always a chance, so... And me, I'm I'm high on life 
I think we all know that by there now. There you go. Nice. <laughs> so what do we want to... Thanks. <laughs> thanks, for the, thanks for the pity sigh grumble. Uh, so what do we want to what do we want to talk about here, boys? We got a, a special Christmas episode. I love them J I N G L E bells, huh? Anyone singing? Nothing. That was nice. That was nice. I'm uh, excited. This is going to go out on Christmas night. Yeah, or day. Should we pretend that it is Christmas night? Perhaps Christmas comes early for Paratopia. Oh, so we shouldn't say like you know. I got all kinds of great stuff for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't lie. Um, oh, no. Well, let's, um, I, we know where this conversation is going to end up, so let's start differently. Let's start with the uh, conference that you held that I told everyone we would eventually talk about, and then they probably forgot that it ever happened. Um, so let's remind them. You, you had a conference. I foolishly, perhaps shyly, uh, Open my mouth at it. I won't. I won't say I, I spoke at it, but I, I certainly did open my mouth a few times. Uh, how was how was throwing your first conference? How did that go for you? It went really well. I had a great time. I was really happy doing it, and uh, it was a huge success, relatively speaking. You know, as far as UFO conferences go, um, you know, we kind of sully solid murdered it right into the profitability line. So mm-hmm. it was you know, one of those things. We barely we barely got it in. Um, so that was good. I mean, most places and most of these things lose their shirts, so I'm happy about that. And the attendance was great. You know, we were kind of down on the Massachusetts UFO scene. We were thinking about dropping the whole UFO part of it next year, but then uh, the attendance, like, tripled this year for it. So it was like, holy shit, there are a lot of people that want to hear about UFOs, I guess, still in Massachusetts. So that was, you know, reassuring, I guess, is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think you're being too hard on yourself as far as your aspect goes. Like I said on, on Radio Mysterioso, I, I think, uh, I don't think anyone really knew what, was going, <laughs> knew what was going on anyway. And I thought you did a good job, so. Well, thank you. you I know. thought you were an excellent uh, MC. I was surprised that it was your first time because you were very loose and good with the audience. And uh, you're right, you had a great turnout. And uh, thank you for sitting me next to the guy with the Bigfoot cast. That was, <laughs> Tim's like, you've got to sit next to him and try to figure out if he's telling the truth or not. <laughs> I figured that was the perfect guy to sit next to Jeremy because at least Jeremy has a you know you enjoy the askew part of this whole thing. So if anyone would appreciate sitting next to someone who found their own Bigfoot footprint, it would be you. <laughs> um, and just to set the scene uh, now, I didn't actually speak at it, but uh, Tim sort of can we say half acidly is that a word? Uh, invited me up for the Q and A where there was a seat missing. <laughs> no, there was a seat yeah, with I'll a be person this, missing. And about part, you know, partway through the Q&A, Tim, like, waves me up. He's like, why aren't you up there? I'm like, because uh, you didn't introduce me. <laughs> yeah, I'll be the first to admit I dropped the ball huge on, on that part of the Q&A. Um, you know, I, I, that sort of thing was thrown together, and uh, I sort of had prepared what I was going to talk about, but I hadn't really considered the logistics of getting people on there. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like... Until you've done one of these fucking, uh, like, until you've figured out, until you've actually, like, done, hosted the roundtable part, you don't realize there's all these other little things that you have to consider. Like, you know, Nick was already up there, so, uh, and I think Peter was, like, on his way up or something. I don't know. And I was exhausted, to tell you the truth. So it was like. Redfern and Peter Robbins. Right, yeah. And, then, uh, and so, and that makes sense because they were actually part of the show. And then, so there's who's this guy getting up there? And it's like, with right, his right, podcaster I, I, Jeremy Vaney. It's like, oh, 
Oh, and I should have done a better fantastic. job of, of, of bringing you up. So I apologize for that. But, no, uh, right. you know, I, like I, I, I said. Mean, no, I took it from there. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think, you I know. I was like, I don't agree with anything I've heard. Let me tell you what I think. And then 15 minutes later, everyone was, uh, <laughs> you know, you hear crickets. It was great. Well, it was a little intense. I know the, wasn't like some audience member, like, didn't he like say, he got like a- a- angry about your answer. I don't know if you remember that or not. You might have. Yeah. You, you might have missed that. It was kind of funny, though. It was like, because then the government... And I was just like, oh, dude, all right. Just relax, pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so I let Jeremy talk a lot. Um, I sort of used BOA audio style, which is just let the guest talk as long as they want. Um, but that's really not the way to do it, I guess, in a live format in front of a whole bunch of people, um, you know, because you got to kind of, I guess, keep it snappy. Like I said, this is all foreign territory for me, so... I think well, I'll do a better thing, job. Peter Robbins is, is a notorious uh, go-on-about kind of guy. So is uh, Bill Burns, who wasn't there. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, there are there are people <laughs> in this field who just, if you hand them the microphone, will go on and on and on. And uh, Oh, yeah. So I don't feel, you know, maybe I shouldn't feel as guilty about that as I actually No, do. you shouldn't. There's no, you know, there's, no, there's nothing, nothing to feel bad about. I mean, mm. like I, I said, I like thought you did. I there was something that I needed to set up. And I didn't have the proper time to do it, so I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have spoken at all because I should have figured out ahead of time. Well, there's not going to be enough time for me to set up what my where my point of view comes from uh, w- without just everyone going, "What is this dude? What is this dude going on about?" And then I and then I I guess I what hurt the feelings of or something. Your co-host John is that his name? See, I, I forget his name. I forget names. I'm really bad at names, and so that was I guess strike one was like. I'd said, uh, yeah. you, you with the microphone. I had a question for him about, um, well, disclosure, which uh, I think will be the bulk of what we're going to talk about here. Um, and so that was strike one. I didn't remember his name. He, he, he was quite upset about that. And then when I, I guess, just singling him out, period, for a question, uh, which was, I think, a pretty basic question. If you want the government to disclose uh, what they know about aliens and they don't know anything, will you believe them? And on the other hand, um, if they disclose and it's not what you think it is, and it's, you know, we know less than than you guys do, um, then what kind of effect does that have on society, just having aliens hanging in the air? Um, and I right, guess yeah. I guess that was, what, a, an offensive question? Because he really got red-faced and got up in my grill about it after the, uh, after the conference. Yeah, I think it was the phraseology, because I think he said something like... Um then don't you care about humanity or something? So I think it put him on the defensive, probably. Well, right, but, um, but don't you? <laughs> I mean, it's... Oh, yeah, you know, I'm just... <laughs> I'm just trying to paint the picture here for people. Um, you know, like I said, it was the end of a long night, and, uh, you know, John's intense. So I think, uh, I think, you know, he just took a... I don't know... He took offense to the name thing. I'm not sure what that was all about. Um, I think he thought know. I was doing it on purpose because that, that's yeah, what he told yeah. me afterward. He's like, I know what you're doing. I know what you're trying to do. And I'm like, right, I don't know right, what you right. think I'm trying to do, but I've just met you for the first time, so why would I possibly have anything against you? That makes no sense. Exactly, like, yeah. I'm just so, like, you know. a bad memory. Yeah. It was, like I said on the other show, though, I mean, like 90% of the audience had no idea, I think, that there was any tension going on there at all. I think my mother actually said that she thought it was funny. Oh, good. So, <laughs> yeah. So I think actually people might have thought that you guys were doing a bit. Oh, well, we kind of were. So, yeah. 
I mean, right. you know, I wouldn't. I wish we had it on film. I hope we can get it on film. Uh, the guy who filmed it is a fucking clown, so we don't. <laughs> so we don't know if we're gonna get it on film, but uh, eventually, maybe it'll find its way on the internet, like some kind of Zapruder film of of Vanny's <laughs> antics. Right. People can people can analyze it. They'll be like. <laughs> The inflection of how he said he didn't know his name clearly indicates that he did know his name. <laughs> uh, is there anything else about this conference that you want to talk about, just in terms of what it was like for you doing all of this? It was exhausting, um, really exhausting. And uh, I did a weird interview the next day, like in the middle of the conference, uh, for some like mainstream, for lack of, you know, they're not... Let's, let's be honest here. I mean, for a mainstream terrestrial radio station, I guess you could say, up in Maine, in Portland, Maine, a Saturday morning, like, green show. Like, literally, like, it's all about being green. I'm not sure why they had me on. Um, so that's why I said loosely mainstream. It's not like this wasn't NPR or anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they weren't at an esoteric show. So that was kind of a weird experience for me because I'd never really done anything like that before. So it was like the guy asked some really strange questions like uh, – are UFOs ghosts? And then he said, the big question that's on everyone's mind that we have to know the answer to, is Area 51 real? So it's like, this is, I don't know how to handle this kind of interview. So <laughs> that was kind of a neat learning experience for me. Huh. Well, I'm, did you answer that? I'm just curious how uh, you answered that. I wasn't sure. I, you know, I never really even thought about UFOs and ghosts like in the same realm. I think that's... I think later on, I think, when I started reading Chris O'Brien's book and thinking more about the whole trickster thing and everything else, then I was like, "Eh, maybe there is some kind of ghost-UFO connection, really, but... um, Well, I mean the Area 51 thing. Yeah, I told them, yeah. I was like, yeah, dude, it's real. Like, we have pictures of it and everything. It's not, (laughs) you know, it's not like, this isn't like fucking Shangri-La or anything. I mean, it's a real place. It exists. We know it's on the map and stuff. You can't go there or anything, but, you know, it's real. Because I don't understand. Like, like I, I saw, uh, I watched a James Gillian interview. Uh, is that is that how you pronounce his name? I don't want to Is that the guy that. with, like, the ranch and the UFOs? Yeah. And, but, of course, in the I interview... I think it's Gilliland. Okay. Well, he's talking about, you know, they ask him um, about Roswell and all this stuff. And so, of course, he has a, an answer for for the Roswell crash and um, what the government knows and all this sort of stuff. It's like, why can't people in the UFO world ever say, I don't know? Why can't they stick with their topic? You have a ranch where you uh, photograph, what, maybe satellites or maybe uh, something else? Uh, Who knows? But you certainly don't know anything about Roswell. Why can't anyone just say that? It's always got to be some giant horseshit conspiracy answer. Yeah, seems that way. I mean, Seems why, why don't interviewers know that? Why don't interviewers ever say, follow it up with, all right, so how would you know that? <laughs> the same crap this that I like, read? Oh, excellent. This, this is like mainstream interviewers? or Yeah, this was like a TV interview. They probably just need, like, one dude to say one thing and then someone to say the other. So they're like, let's not think too hard about this. Let's just get the one UFO guy, and then we'll get the guy who says he's full of crap, and then we can all go home. Mm, I don't know. You know, I don't think they're as emotionally invested in the UFO answer as we are. Speaking of full of crap, and this is where Jeffrey comes in. Yeah, he's still here or what? Drunk. I am not drunk. That sounded like someone who's drunk. Then you're not doing it right. Um, (laughs) 
we what we really want to talk about here, I guess, is exopolitics because oh. Jeff and I have done a couple of crop circle um, episodes, and we've garnered uh, quite the international following from that. And and it seems that at least Greer, uh, amongst others, um, seems to rear his head in the crop circle community. And then we get questions like, "Why don't you guys like Greer? Why don't you guys like exopolitics?" And I have this feeling in checking out some of these international sites that it's kind of like how Germany doesn't realize that David Hasselhoff isn't a rock star. It's like they don't realize that exopolitics isn't ufology uh, in the States, you know, that, that it really is. In, they do think certain things right um, peripherally, you know, as, as you uh, mentioned to me privately, Tim, about just in terms of um, getting a younger crowd involved in the UFO scene and all that. But ultimately, um, you know, they're doing harm. Uh, so let's talk about that and give these guys, uh, this audience of ours, some medicine, um, and then they can turn off the show <laughs> after that. And never listen to us again. <laughs> what a brilliant strategy! <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, oh, oh, the gift of knowledge, Will. Here's some coal in your stocking, international listeners uh, who love exopolitics. Yes. Now I don't know. I, I kind of do get the impression too that. That there's a that the foreign scene, the international scene, thinks that like exopolitics is supplanted or taken over for ufology, and that ufology's gone here in America or something. It's really kind of strange. I've, I've kind of noticed that too. So to those folks who are listening, there's definitely still a ufology, and it's two separate camps. Kind of like people who think that Bigfoot's a flesh and blood animal, and people who think that it's um, you know, some kind of interdimensional thing, you know? It's like two branches of the same field. Well, sort of, except it's more like uh, there are those two branches within ufology, uh, well, well, within Bigfoot research, and then there's Scientology. <laughs> you know, it's exactly, like, it's yeah, like that's to true. me, it's that's like true. that drastically different. It's like there's something cultish going on with exopolitics, um, if not in terms of um, actually starting a religious movement, in terms of how they put their information out there, how they make these large promises that never come true, how they capture an audience in general, I think is um, based in more in religion than in science or quote unquote nuts and bolts um, research. Right. Right. Yeah. I guess to put it a different way that it would be like, if there's one group that's fucking like, you know, there's this mysterious animal people have seen. We want to know more about it. Let's try and figure it out. Then there's another side that's like, Bigfoot's real, we know what it is, and we want the government to tell us immediately. That's kind of more, I guess, the difference, if you're going to try and frame it in the Bigfoot thing. But, uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I think it's like a difference between wanting to know and thinking you already know already. And I think the exopols are, you know, they're under the impression that they know already, when clearly we don't. That's the big problem, I think, that people like you and me and probably Jeff, I can't speak for him because I don't know specifically how he feels, but probably, uh, you know, I think that's the issue that a lot of people in the UFO community have, where it's like, you don't know this stuff, and I don't care how many sources you say you have, um, unless they're going to, willing to go on the record, we still don't know anything. Mm -hmm. So stop telling people we know all this stuff, because you're making us look foolish, because when we can't, then when people ask the question, like Jeremy was saying, well, how do you know this? They never have any answer other than sources and stuff. And usually I think that kind of response probably gets laughed at by mainstream media, where they're like, oh, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Jeff, how do so, you feel? 
How do I feel about exit politics? Yeah. Uh, I think our what was it our last X conference or the no the one before where Stephen Bassett you asked the question you know of the entire panel that was sitting up in front of uh, well everyone that was at the conference it was the wrap up panel and you stood up in front of everybody and said I'm just curious how we're building this entire diplomacy you know diplomacy uh, uh, house of cards in the air here when we don't even really know what we're dealing with. And does anyone on the panel have concrete evidence that this is, uh, this is extraterrestrial because that was the word of the day. And, uh, and Bassett basically came unglued and began pounding his fist into his hand and, uh, saying this is, this is, I, I wish I, I wish I had uh, recorded that, but it, it is confirmed absolute solidified i mean all of these really black and white terms that it is an absolute that there is no question that this is extraterrestrial <laughs> and and I, yeah and, and that to me just just reeks of exactly why this whole field is in the fuck nut state that it is because you've got people like that who turn around the next day and go on cnn <laughs> and, and do yeah, a press conference you know um so, I mean, what do you say to that? I mean, you know, I think he alluded somewhere in that discussion that uh, Stephen Bassett, rather, uh, alluded that he had spoken to someone on the inside who was giving him this information, and I know more, but I can't talk about it. I mean, this reeks of Greerism. You know, everything that comes out of Greer's mouth that's some kind of definitive smoking gun, he either can't talk about it, can't mention the person, can't tell a name, can't give a country's name. It just goes on and on and on. I mean, where the fuck does that end? Uh, <laughs> and, and how soon before somebody stands up and goes, excuse me, Dr. Greer, I'm one of these few people in this room who isn't going to stand during your standing ovation at the end. And I'm just wondering, how do you qualify all of your bullshit? Um, and nobody seems to do that. I mean, we tried, I think, <laughs> at that one conference, and uh, they ignored us. They wouldn't uh, call on any anyone, you know, that wasn't uh, a, a Greer plant in the audience. I mean, it's just, I mean, you sit there and you just, that's that's where my famous, <laughs> you know, UFO conference line came from. When I look at Jeremy and I got this look in my eye, like, what's where where are we? And I go, <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here? I mean... It, it boggles the mind, and these people stand up and cheer for this man after he lays down all this crap that is just words, and they act like he's some great leader of some sort. I, I truly, truly, I look at that whole situation, and I go, this is cult-like mentality. This is as close to what I could see ufology evolving into a cult as it could get. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just my opinion, but... You know, um, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Well, Tim, do you um, are you of the opinion that that Greer started off in a meaningful way, did something good with that first press conference, and then just became ridiculous, or do you think he was ridiculous all along? Uh, I well, like I I came at this in like 2003, so I don't know what he was doing at the time. Do you know what I mean? All I really have is the as reference points is the press conference and the book. Um, and I really liked the book, and I thought there was a lot of good stuff in there. So which, maybe which he... The disclosure book, not oh. not the memoirs. Oh, okay. So, 
<laughs> I, I didn't read that. I heard he had like some kind of contact experience or something, and that that's kind of what I think. That is a precious, precious novel. You should you should definitely read it. <laughs> yeah, the one where he says he can levitate—that's that one. He yeah. follows a yeah. rabbit down a hole, and he ends up in this room where he has to drink a potion and go through a hole. Ah, oh, it's just amazing. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. So I think maybe it sounds like he probably went off the deep end. Uh, you know, at some point down the line, and I should say. You know, I don't really know him at all, and as Jeremy knows, I really don't... I try to limit anyone I have a feud with in Esoterica, because I don't have time for that. So, um, you know, I'll preface, like, all of my comments tonight by saying that, like, I have nothing personal against these people, so, you know, I think most of them are pretty good folks. And as I was saying to Jeremy, we talked the other day, I I, I think, actually, exopolitics is, like, the, 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 the opposite of, like, the expression, the... Uh, the sum is greater. What the hell did I say? It was uh. All right, you might have to fucking edit this now. I'm trying to get my <laughs> trying to remember what the expression was. We're not editing anything. Forget it. Oh man, this is well, going out just like it is. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, right, yeah. The whole like the expression now. Uh, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. I think exopolitics is like the opposite of that, where it's like the whole is less than the sum of its parts. Like there are a lot of pretty good people involved in that, but once they all get together, it's kind of like they end up enabling each other to go further and further into this realm of uh, proclamations and stuff that just don't make any sense. Well, I don't know uh, but, who's the good people in that. That you know, uh, I know Leslie Keen, right, had the good sense to get out um, and do her own sort of disclosure movement that seems better than the bowel movement coming out of Greer. And, yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, and, good. That's what you should call it. Hey, thanks. Uh, and Greer, now, you know, I've heard this before, that he, that first press conference he had was monumental, except that he had people in that first press conference um, that were not vetted, that didn't have backgrounds right, yeah. that check out, and that ultimately end up to be fraudulent people. So uh, I don't know how good even that first press conference is. I mean, I, I, it just seems like people in ufology are willing to, all too willing to say, well, any press is good press. In fact, Bassett uh, has an entire pyramid scheme based around any press is good press. Um, <laughs> it, it's true. I mean, he really does believe that. It's like is, he thinks that the sort of um, the the amount of press coverage this this gets is what's good for us. Because once you can capture the media, once you have people's attention, then you can give them the truth. The unfortunate thing is he ain't got no truth to give them. So there's that. Well, don't, don't you think, Jeremy, that the whole thing with the disclosure, the initial disclosure uh, press conference was simply the fact that everyone was in suit and ties and not wearing uh, I want to believe T-shirts and, you know, as they shoot them uh, with the camera from across a table filled with small alien love dolls? I mean, isn't that really what we were looking at there? Yeah. It, it was simply the set and setting and uh, and the intelligence of some of those witnesses, but the rest of them, I mean, it was the, it was all in the presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, really, yeah. I don't think anything came out of that 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 did anything. It was just the fact that, oh well, my no, God, look, you know, you know we're on TV on a press conference, and everybody looks smart. But their answer you to know? that is the reason nothing came out of it is because nine eleven happened mysteriously. Right. You know, they just throw that out there as if nine eleven happened. To cover up the pre- yeah, uh, press it was orchestrated because of the press conference. Uh, no, I well, think, and that, that all fill your, figures well into Greer's ego as well. So, well, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I think, um, now I don't know, I guess you guys might know better than I do, but I was always under the impression anyway that Greer sort of was a schism from the disclosure, I mean, the exopolitical movement anyway. But I guess maybe he's sort of still part of that. I thought he sort of kind of went off on his own. Well, when we saw him speak at the X conference, he got a Lifetime Achievement Award from Bassett, so I don't know. Okay, so he is still pretty much, yeah. I, I mean, guess he's I th- kind I of considered like one of the of... godfathers or something. Yeah, it's kind of like what you said. I mean, it's like these guys, whatever you may think of them, uh, they feed off of each other. And so even if he is in some way ostracized or out on his own, he's still writing press releases and things like that that these other people pick up on. And then through websites like examiner.com and other crap sites like that, um, you know, disseminate these things as PR, you know, or, uh, you know, yeah, well, I guess that would be right, right? Press releases. Yeah, Um, yeah. So, you know, so his his message and his flavor, his taint, if you will, is... Uh, <laughs> it's getting hey, come on, this is the holiday special here, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't dip your balls in the eggnog. But I, I do, I think it's important to, uh, to, to tell people that we at least like to think that we can differentiate between decent researchers, bad researchers, and flat-out charlatans. So it's not like we're just saying... You know, these certain people are bad at what they do. No, I think they're actually, I think they are bad people, him. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I think certain of them aren't. Like, like I don't know. I mean, to me, Alfred Weber is just cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I've seen his presentations. Uh, he is, uh, I think it's fair to say he's he's crazy. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if it's legal saying, to but... say that, but I think it's fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Sala is like an arrogant New Ager. Steve Bassett is a carny barker, and Greer is, you know, good old fashioned used car salesman. I mean, these are like these are types. These are types of people who have latched onto this topic. Fair uh, enough. But Fair enough. People like I would think like Paula Harris, who's also associated with this. I don't think she's a particular charlatan. I just think she's completely awful uh, at what she does. <laughs> I think she's a terrible <laughs> researcher. Well, we're starting the year off right. I'll tell you that. <laughs> God damn it. These are my opinions only, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus. Jeremy's pouring gasoline on the bridge tonight, folks. <laughs> well, well yeah, and, and you know what? Let me let me just say that, you know, a couple of people have brought up, uh, you know, why do we see good researchers talking at these places? Like, why do we see Graham Hancock and Colin Andrews at the X Conference? Why did we see that? Uh and, you know, when you really step back and look at this, and, and, and you know, Jeremy and I have asked this for a long time now, why why in the world would you share the stage with, you know, somebody like Greer or somebody from the Billy Meyer case or something like that? And, and I think what it comes down to is uh, community-wise, you either play the game or you're out. <laughs> And, like, and you better, uh, you know, watch your P's and Q's to some degree at least and, and show a little bit of, uh, um, you know, at, at least respect the, as a human being, if nothing else, uh, to, to even be included in these things. I mean, I think we're witnessing the, the slow uh, collapse of, of one outlet of, uh, you know, what used to be decent information. And we're seeing it collapse because, frankly, it's alienated itself so badly that um, nobody's willing to play anymore. Yeah, there so, are certain bad things in life that you have to do. Banking, I mean, we all know banks are corrupt, yeah. but you need to have a bank account. You need to you know, pay to play here, and that's why 
hey, look at this full circleness. Uh, Tim Banal doing his conference in Massachusetts is so great because he's not Stephen Bassett. And so here we are with yet another outlet for people to be able to speak and be heard. Exactly. And I mean, the reason, now I can't speak for those dudes because I don't know specifically, but, um, you know, uh, I think Jeremy alluded to it. Uh, a good reason probably why they spoke there, regardless of the speakers, was because they need the money. They need to make some money. And you make some pretty good money at these conferences if you're a presenter or a speaker because you can sell a lot of books and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you probably get paid. Um, you know, so I don't fault them for that because I can speak from experience. You don't make shit in this field. So if you get the opportunity to make at least fucking some money, you go for it. Well, I also I think, mean, you know, it, you're, you're probably not likely to really look into the background of the people who are putting on a conference generally, I, I don't think, you know. I think if someone's like, hey, you want to come speak at this disclosure conference? We're all on the same page here. We all want the government to tell us what they know and, and et cetera, et cetera. And you're like, yeah, dude, that's totally my interest. And you've got this giant audience. Great, let's do it. I mean, do you really – I think, Jeff, you know, you and I are sort of in the minority of people who would actually check out the background of the person throwing the conference before – uh, signing up for it. Well, you, you'd like to know who you're talking to because you know whoever organized it is is more or less you know who people are buying their tickets from. So, what kind of audience are you going to get? Are you going to get the one that's critical? That's uh, you know uh, is going to ask decent questions? Or are you going to get the crazy lady from New York with the red light on her finger? <laughs> Was there a lady there like that? Yeah, she goes. Oh my year. God! You have no. Fucking idea. I've seen some freak shows of these things, so I'm not surprised. But you, usually... you need to come down to DC, young man. I went to the first two <laughs> X conferences. Did they you? Were, you would have loved those. Oh, those were yeah. like, I'm sure. No, nah, they were pretty good. They were less. Uh, they were less. The first one was a lot less exopolitical than oh, the one really? you guys went to. Yeah, this the first one I went to was fucking star studded and packed. Uh, yeah. with, with stars like uh, Jim Mars, Linda Moulton Howe, Richard Hoagland. Uh, oh, sounds stellar so far. Dan Freed. Yeah, well, you, you kind of want to see these people, though. I mean, it's neat to meet them and stuff and see them live and stuff. I mean, that's really why I went. That was before I really was in the field too much. So that was like sort of my first foray. So to be able to see them and stuff is pretty cool. Otherwise, you'd have to pay like, you'd probably have to pay like six, $700 just to see Hoagland nowadays. So it was like, this is pretty cool. Um, Peter Robbins, uh, I think Nick was there. I think Nick Redfern was there. Timothy Good. I mean, there was tons of people there. It was really yeah. quite a, quite a show. I mean, that's a lot better, with all due respect, than going and just seeing the people that have been there every year ever since. Right. Like I feel like a lot of the, to use a wrestling term, I feel like a lot of the main eventers have left town, and all the undercard people are now they're like down there the top stars, and it's like they're not stars. Yeah. Jeremy understands probably what I'm talking wonder if, about. Wonder right? if we're going to get the uh, where, where are we going to have the ladders and tables matches? Is what I'm looking for. <laughs> it's coming. That will come when the disclosure happens, and and then yeah. it's then it's going to turn into this like knockdown, dragout fight between the ufologists and the exo balls over what the you know dissecting what the government's saying and all that crap. Yeah, that's when so, it'll get really heated. I find it interesting, though, that you, uh, Tim, are far more obviously into the sociological aspect of ufology and paranormal research, um, to the effect that you will pay money to go see Richard Hoagland because you want to see who this dude is that you've seen on TV and you know interviewed, perhaps all that stuff. 
um, yeah. which uh, I'm sure is giving Jeff an ulcer just hearing that. <laughs> I've never interviewed him, so <laughs> uh, I've, I've never had the I've never had the delight of interviewing Richard Hoagland. Yet, well, so. but but here's going to be my point, which is that even even a guy like you who is willing to do all of that, you still don't endorse exopolitics, um, right? So I think that's that should tell the audience something. You know, it's not just like Jer and Jeff griping about something. It's like no, Tim is also a, a podcaster. Uh, and um, does not uh, share our stance on things, and you know, and we agree on this. So there you go. It's there. It's uh, really you should put the little skull and crossbones on exopolitics and and stay far, far away. Uh, yeah. It's like uh, since we're doing a holiday show, it's like the it's like a leg lamp in the Christmas story. It's fragile. You want to handle it with care. It's a major I mean, award. Feel... What's that? The major award. <laughs> I mean, you know, take it out of the box and, and admire it and check it out. But, you know, don't flip out if someone knocks it off the table and it breaks. Well, don't set that shit in the front window. Exactly. Yeah. With that dude's dogs next door. <laughs> I really don't like that movie that much, though, just to take it completely off topic. I, I've never really... A lot of people really swear by it, but I'm more of a Scrooge fan myself. Hmm. Um, Something else yeah, we'll dude. disagree on. Uh, well, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't really... Like, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't endorse exopolitics. Certainly not. I mean, I got into it... Uh, yeah, well, just to add some perspective, I guess, like when I went down there, that was like 2003. Uh, and that was... Maybe 2004. I don't remember exactly. No, 2004. Um, and I didn't even start podcasting like till 2005. And I think I actually launched Banal of America as a paranormal site just to put my recap of the 04X conference up there. So it was literally like the first thing I'd ever done. And that's kind of like why I went. It wasn't because I was all, uh, you know, fired up about exopolitics. It was like, you know, as you know, as you guys know, there's like no good conferences on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And a lot of good ones on the West Coast. So it was like, you know, I'm a fan of Coast to Coast. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm hearing about this conference. It's going to have all the big names there that I've heard on Coast to Coast. And I don't have to fly all the way to Las Vegas or L.A. or Laughlin to see them. And it's going to cost me a third of the amount. So, I mean, with that kind of deal, I definitely went for it. So it wasn't like I was like, I've got to go and join the cause. It was more like holy crap, this is wicked close and it's pretty cheap and I can go and see all these people that I've heard all these years. Mm-hmm. Are, um, you, um, are you ever going to have Greer or Bassett on your show? I had Bassett on uh, like a couple of years ago and I think I had him on, I think that was my, no, I've had him on twice. I had him on in season two and then I think in season three. Um, I met, it might have been season four. I don't know. I mean... I've gotten more progressively down on exopolitics like in the last year and a half or so. Um, so I don't know. Um, it would be kind of cool to do to do like some kind of exopolitics roundtable where I just get them all on at once so I don't have to, you know, devote too many episodes to the topic because it seems like there's a lot of people who are down on it. But then you hear from people that are like all about it and it's like, oh, geez, you know, maybe I should do more exopolitics, but I'm not into it. I just don't really... I just don't feel like it's cool to tell people that this stuff's right around the corner when it keeps disappointing people. 
And then the people like us who've been around even for a few years. I don't know how long you've been in the scene, Jeff, but I know Jeremy and I probably only, I know I've only been in it since like 03. And I know Jeremy's probably around that area, right, Jeremy? Yeah. So it's like, you know, for the people like us, it's like even us who've been only been around for five years realize now that like this shit's been going on for years where people say that it's going to happen. It's right around the corner. And we've already figured that out after a few years. Um, so I think the vast majority of people who have a serious interest in ufology are of that mindset where they're really well, cynical about it. And then there's other people, I think, who are less, maybe less, like, invest, like less serious, I guess, about continual research into the field, maybe, and who are just sort of like, uh, for lack of a better term, like the true believers. And then they're the ones who are like, you know, we know this is true, so let's. They want the answer already. They're tired of research. Yeah. I guess yeah. that's the real point, you know. They, they, and so they'll accept any answer as long as it's coming relatively soon. Yeah, so I think that's part of the problem. And it's like, but like I said on my holiday special with Stan Friedman, it was like, it's like you know, I don't see how this can't be good for ufology because. Uh, I got into it with somewhat of an interest in exopolitics where I at least took it seriously and put it on par with ufology um, and was under the impression that it was like this emerging part of ufology that was serious about getting the UFO answer. And then as I got further into it, I started to see all these crazy proclamations coming out and, you know, when the UFO secret was going to be revealed. And I think within the five years I've been in the field, I think I've heard at least not including... Uh, the crazy lady last year who said there was going to be disclosure, uh, she channeled it. I don't know if you guys remember that. And sure. not including that, I guess if we include the November 27th farce, you know, I've probably been promised, like, disclosure dates within a certain, you know, realm. Not just like it's going to happen, but it's going to happen around this time. I think I've probably heard that kind of promise, like, at least four times in the last five years. So really? it's like, yeah, yeah. So I've heard you, it about, I mean... <laughs> I I got actively involved in this between 87 and 88 and I've probably heard it 30 or 50 times. I mean, yeah. different times over these, you know, past two decades that you know, it doesn't even phase me anymore like, oh yeah, great. Uh, you know, I, I think the notion that that the promises are always made and broken is that's been a staple I think since modern inception of this ever started. Uh, I think the problem is is that I mean when we say exopolitics, we're really talking about um, a, a little a little group of people who are extremely vocal, and uh, you know in the case of uh, somebody like uh, Michael Sala or uh, what was the other guy Jeremy that you mentioned? I'm sorry, Weber. Weber. Yeah, I mean these guys, you know. Decent real world credentials of some sort, and and you know you you think because you see the little alphabet soup after somebody's name that that's going to draw attention and that's going to draw uh, some sort of critical thought and all that, and we find that that's absolutely not true. Uh, exactly. And, and and the problem is is that back I would say nineteen ninety ninety one. Your lunatic fringe, quote unquote, was a fairly, fairly small bunch of people. Uh, of course, this would always be the type that the media would gravitate to 
in the process of doing a story on anything to do with UFOs. But I've watched, you know, for this long to see that the lunatic fringe is slowly becoming the majority. I think the fact that, you know, you could sit around and have a critical discussion with somebody about this subject is becoming, you know, a, a, a small window of people that you can actually have a discussion with um, without it breaking out into a, uh, well, you know, you believe that Meyer stuff, right? How about that? You know, I mean, you just don't find that anymore. I mean, everybody's got some kind of of little hook appendage on there that, that they're carrying around some kind of ufological baggage with. Uh, you know, and I don't, I, I, I always thought it would get better as the years went by. You know, <laughs> I, I really did, but it's gotten, it's gotten downright disgusting. Uh, you know, and I, and I think, and, and nobody need be kidded here that a lot of the drive, in my opinion, of this exopolitics thing and, uh, and and the conference uh, that that goes along with it, I think it's a lot of it's based around cash flow, and uh, and there's always been that element to a certain degree in ufology. But I think, excuse me, uh, we'll have to edit that out. Uh, <laughs> what happened? You okay? Yeah, uh, Guinness is smooth. Uh oh, he is drinking. Editing nothing. By the way. Uh, oh, excuse me. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with cash in that, uh, you know, you can go to these conferences and you can band together. And it's this whole banding together against the common enemy of the government that knows everything and is keeping it from us, is keeping us in the dark, that's powerful stuff uh, for the fools that part with their money uh, with that. I mean, they're, they're, and there's a hell of, hell of a lot of them, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean... You can make no bones about it. Most of this has to do with money. Um, and I think the other half of it, in some cases, uh, with certain people in that crowd, it's, it's, all about, uh, it's all about being somebody, you know, being, being recognized or getting attention or something like that. I mean, it, everybody wants to be heard. I understand that. There's nothing wrong with that. But some people cannot bear to be out of the limelight with this in any way for very long. So, um, I mean, I think that's the other half of it. But we're not talking about exopolitics as we're against the notion of the government coming clean on something. If they know something, we should know it. I don't think they know shit, but that's me. Um, I'm certainly not against the notion that if they know something or they have better data even, we should get to see that. Uh, that's fair. I, it's fair right. to say that the methods and means of what they're what the exopolitical yeah. folks are doing that doesn't seem to work. Right. And, uh, well, the notion of well, setting up a diplomacy policy of how you're going to react—it's ridiculous. It's working just fine. I mean, it's you got to ask yourself what is the intention of exopolitics. I mean, essentially, they they have, like I said, modeled themselves on religion. I mean, you have the disclosure date, which is Judgment Day. It's no different than Judgment Day in religion. And then you've got going to heaven, which is the aftermath, which is their you know cosmic Star Trek idea. We'll join the Galactic Federation once that happens, once Judgment Day happens. Uh, and they keep pushing it back and pushing it back. And um, it, it's always that feeling of, emin- of of imminence. It's it's right there. It's it's right here. And oh, oh but but Obama had to 
wash his clothes that day, so he, didn't, <laughs> he, he neglected to, you know, so instead we have to deal with, you know, celebrity deaths. That's why that's in the news. Or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, so, I mean, their, their whole thing, I mean, one of the things that you said, Tim, to me privately um, was that you can't stand Jeff Ritzman. Wait, no, that's... Wait, what? That's another conversation. <laughs> no. One of the things you said privately was um, that they're, the thing that they're really good at, that the rest of Ufology is terrible at, and I completely agree with you, is sucking in the new young crowd. Like, where are the young people uh, in Ufology? They're all at Exopolitics. Right, right. Uh, but they, then ultimately, they just leave you disappointed because once you start to look into it, you realize, oh, wait, I'm being duped. Um, and exactly. I think, that, I think yeah. that I'm being duped is on purpose. I don't think I don't think they're failing. I think that's the whole modus operandi to keep you, like I said, keep you engaged in, oh, the date's right around the corner, right around the corner. I better take these classes and become a galactic ambassador. It's, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then it never Interesting, comes. okay. See, I never thought about it in that way, that like, they don't care that they keep making this mistake, that actually it's beneficial to them in the long run. So maybe, and they know what, I guess, is what you're saying, right? Yep. All right, interesting. See, I never considered that. But, yeah, you you brought up the point I was going to just say, just to loop around what I've been saying about uh, how you and I had sort of got in early in this field. And we branched out and started looking at other stuff, and I'm afraid that the young people who get into this solely through exopolitics are, and then don't, <laughs> become galactic ambassadors, end up just bailing on it and finding a different interest, and we lose a whole constituency and generation of people that could have been like me and Jeremy, for better or for worse, I guess, <laughs> you can say, but they, you know, the field of esoterica loses like a whole bunch of people who find an interest in, exo in exopolitics, then get disappointed, and then bail on the whole thing. So, I mean... Uh, we may look back on this and, and be like, shit, that was really bad for us in the long run because, you know, the numbers of people who are interested, who are doing the UFO research and stuff is way down because a lot of people got into it in the early aughts and then bailed on it by the end of the decade because nothing happened. So, you know, and uh, I think uh, I had actually been thinking about having Steve Bassett on my show again before you asked me that. Um, just to bring up a lot of this stuff, I guess, I think, just to almost like almost like an intervention for myself in a way. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like I've gotten really annoyed with the exopolitical movement in the last year and a half or so, and maybe the only way I'll feel better about things is if I have him on my show and just be like, bring out all these points I'm talking about with you. You know what I mean? And be like, listen, Steve, you know, I feel like this is what's going on that young people are getting involved and then they're getting pissed and they're leaving. Like, what do you say to that? Or, you know, maybe you shouldn't keep telling people the dates are going to come up when they don't. You know, I think that's bad and shit. So, I don't know. I may have them back on the show, but it'll be a really different style of Banal of America just because I usually don't have, like, serious sort of, like, moral quandaries with the material that the guests are bringing out or I'm not, like, I don't find their stuff annoying where... Usually I just wouldn't have them on the show because I wouldn't look into their stuff. But, but the exopolitical stuff, it's like an omnipresent thing. It's a force within esoterica that you can't really move, move away from. Mm -hmm. So he may end up back on the show, although I don't know. If he hears this, maybe he won't. <laughs> oh, no, he will <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, hey, I'd like to have him on the show again to deal with all this stuff because I feel like what might have started out as a good idea is kind of starting to look like, um, you know, 
Like, it's not making any sense anymore. And that's part of the problem, you know? Like, there's too many weird pronouncements coming out lately and shit. That, that, that November 27th thing was... Where did that come from? Do you know? Um, I think Michael Sala. See, that's just... You know, I'm not one of these people that, like, wants to clean up the field because, you know, that's just impossible. It's like, uh... It's like a New York subway bathroom. It's just not going to happen. You apologies. You can't, you can't clean the field. It's just filthy in general. So, uh, you know, but, like, when someone makes a pronouncement like that, they should have to fucking show ass afterwards and say, I fucked up, and I was wrong, and I don't know if that even happened. And so, you know, that's kind of bullshit to me. Like, you can't just say shit like that and then, like, go back to not ever talking about how you fucked that up big time. This well, isn't part, like some weirdo channel in Australia. Yeah, well, that's all part of the field. I mean, that's that's what's been going on for a while is, is you know I mean? We've talked a lot about um, the short-term memory of ufology is ridiculous. I mean, yeah. there are people who have pulled such uh, unbelievable bullshit and disappear for two, three years, and then all of a sudden they're back on the scene bigger than ever. I mean, you know, there's no way to control that. I mean, what do you do? You can only speak out against, uh, you know, somebody coming back and saying, hey, remember when this happened? You're going to listen to this right, guy right. again? I mean, but this has been going on. You just like drawing attention to them anyway because most people don't want to. Exactly, exactly. And like I've said like for a while now too, like, like you, there's no way – you can ever get rid of the hoaxers and the charlatans and the flim flam guys and esoterica because the half the problem is the audience. Mm-hmm. It's like as long as there's a as long as there's a demand, then there's going to be a huge supply. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we can ever get rid of the demand. There's just too many true believers out there, and there's too many gullible people in esoterica that will want that want to believe anything. So if we could like eradicate every person we don't like who we think is putting out false stuff in esoterica, you know, by the end of the month, they would like, there would be a lot of new people in who are doing the same thing. Tim, uh, what do you, what, it, what, Tim, what do you see uh, as the reasons for some people so desperate to believe? What, what, what are some of the reasons you see in that? Uh, exhaustion, partially, like we were saying earlier, they're just tired of researching this now. And they're sort of like, it's been going on for 60 years, um, you know, so this is what I believe. I think maybe they have a set sort of mindset where this is what they believe in, so that's it. And they can't, you can't change their mind, like the people who are sure of the ETH. Um, you know, and then there's all that sort of like psychological stuff where it's just like, you know, they have a hole in their life that needs to be filled by ghosts or something it's like I, you know i have no idea if that's true true or not but maybe it is for some people where you know where one person's religion is another person's sexual politics you know they have to believe something so instead of you know believing in buddha they believe in bigfoot you know it's like that kind of thing so i don't know i mean i don't know why there are these people that have to and maybe you know there's some people that just, like, gravitate towards the most fantastical story, where they're like, that's amazing, that's true, that's, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So, 
Do, I, you do, know, you, do you think that a lot of people, I don't know, I, I mean, at least in the, the, the circles that I travel on the net, I see a lot of people who seem to have this ridiculous desire to be absolutely spoon-fed like a baby every little fact that they can get. And, um, and, and, and tell me if this sounds familiar to you. I, I was on uh, a message board the other day. And uh, there was a lot of we've had you know we've done these two crop circle shows that have been really interesting and in finding out stuff about them we didn't know, and um, you know and I go on a message board and there's like a billion crop circle threads on this message board and you know I posted up uh, a film and I said you know if you think all crop circles are fake have a look at this film and tell me how you explain a particular formation that's shown uh, about midway through this film. Yeah. And I posted it. And the very next post down from that is, is there any place else that we could get information on this? Because I don't really have time to watch a two-hour movie. It was, more <laughs> like, it was more like a 25-minute movie, you know, or maybe yeah. a little more than that. And, uh, you know, and I, I came unglued. I was like, you know, I, what do you want me to tell you? If you're that lazy that you won't fast-forward through a 20-minute film to see a particular spot that I'm trying to talk to you about, why are you talking? I mean, why are you why are you speaking in this thread at all? If you don't care any more than that, what's the problem? So, I mean, do you think it ever comes down to that uh, this is this is a, a bigger uh, problem in people that they they just want the answer now and it's for no other reason than they I want it. You know, I mean, not so much uh, any kind of deep seated psychological thing, but more like a. Um, Everything in our society is based on this whole notion of instant gratification, and they expect yeah, the same from that. Right? Yeah, I was just going to say. I think it's maybe some kind of artifact of the mainstream media now, too, where they just tell you what to think instead of doing any sort of like analysis anymore. So mm -hmm. I think people now just want to be told what to think instead of having to think for themselves. Yeah. So, and then they're lazy about it. So, you know, this is such a complex subject that. You know, I think it's over a lot of people's heads, too, where they're like, this is, you know, they have lives and shit, and they can't fucking read every book that's out there and stuff and, and listen to, like, every podcast. So yeah. then they're like, just tell me what it is so I can't, you know, I don't know. It's kind of, it's depressing, but I think it's less an esoteric problem and more just a whole general, you know, world problem where sort people fucking are lazy being desensitized to the wonderment that is inherent in this stuff, and we want to sort of make it just anthropomorphic and something that we can all understand, right. which is interesting uh, now that we're talking about it this way, because I, I remember all of these sorts of esoteric subjects um, being the catalyst for deeper thought, you know? It's sort of, it's, it's, it's like, almost like dream interpretation or something. It's like, it gets your mind going, you know? How do you... Um, how do you wrap your head around some of this stuff? And, and that's and, and bringing up those those questions um, is the way that we communicate it, or at least it used to be. And now, you're right. Now it's we don't care to question. We don't have any wonderment about it. We are just completely desensitized and want it handed to us. Um, so what's the point? I don't know. What's the point of the the subject as a subject of study anymore? It's not a subject of study. It's a a subject well, that's, of just give it to me. Exactly, yeah. And that's kind of especially inherent in the UFO issue, I think, too. Because, like, you know, it really hasn't progressed very far since, like, 
ever. <laughs> I mean, like, as far as sighting, like, I think people are desensitized to, like, sightings and UFO stories now, for the most part. Um, I know I am, just because it's like, even pictures and film are, like, you know, not that exciting anymore, because it's like, dude, how many more of these do we have to look at? And I don't take the exopolitics tack, where it's like, they're fucking aliens, and we know it, so tell us already. My attitude's just like, shit, dude, we still don't know what this thing is, um, but I'm getting kind of tired of looking at these pictures and hearing these stories, because it's the same thing over and over again. It's like, it's like if they never decided when Lost was going to end, people would <laughs> stop watching. They would well, say, yeah, that, you know... That's, that's, it, it, you know, Eureka, Tim, you just nailed something here, which is that... Um, We've got two storylines going. The one in in Joe Sixpack's head, which is, all right, I've seen the evidence, I've seen the footage, I'm done with that, it's time for the disclosure to happen, it's time for the big reveal. Uh, And then you've got, say, the government storyline, which is, uh, that's never going to (laughs) happen. And and it doesn't seem to be like, they don't seem compatible, because you really think that, that this is building to something, and that there should be some giant disclosure, but... um. But but the the actual reality of reality is the world doesn't revolve around the storyline you want to have unfold. It's not an X file in that sense. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and that goes back to what like we talked about uh, off the air about just the part not to pile on the exopoles uh, here, but you know um, they like see the world through this prism that. The UFO issue is the A, number one most important issue in the halls of Washington. Um, when, obviously, as we've kind of repeated over and over again on this show here, um, we have no facts to back that up at all. And all the, you know, I know, you know, the general consensus, whether it's true or not, is that the media is completely, you know, in the under the control of the government or whatever. But even in the way the media has covered UFOs in Washington, the whole political UFO aspect, they laugh about it. They never treat it with respect. So, uh, you know, all the evidence we seem to have is that, you know, they don't think it's the A number one most important issue. But if you talk to a lot of the people in the exopolitical movement, they tell you that it is. And it's like, no, that's not the case, dude, as far as we know. So then all the news that comes out gets reshaped through this prism of the UFO thing, where it's like, no, dude, that's probably not what happened. Mm-hmm. And like the like the joke that I was making with Jeremy is like, you know, I'm surprised that nobody's tried to say that the Tiger Woods scandal was created by the mainstream media because they had to come up with something to fill all that time that they originally had planned to use on UFO disclosure. And since... The disclosure never happened on November 27th. That's when Tiger Woods got into his accident, and therefore he's been filling all the UFO time that was originally slated for uh, UFO <laughs> disclosure coverage. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I mean that's a story that I would absolutely expect to hear from one of the sites like The Examiner or something like that. I mean, I would not even, you know, I wouldn't even bat an eyelash if I read it online somewhere. God damn it, they set up. Tiger up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, that's why he was knocked out in the driveway, dude. Right. I mean, clearly, he was the victim of some kind of DARPA-like intelligence, and, you know, <laughs> mind, they got into his mind, and he went out and he crashed his car. And then all these women are being paid by the CIA right. to come out and tell their stories to keep filling time 
until the disclosure thing can happen uh, on November on December twenty seventh. Well, the winner so, is shape shifting reptilians. Well, not let's not let. Well, we don't have to even go that far. If you look at Tiger Woods and all his money, and look at the women that he's been messing around with, they're hideous. <laughs> So there, exactly. there's, there's your other thing. I could make a point right there for uh, <laughs> for the fake story, you know. Exactly, uh, and then and then you know, inside sources tell me that Tiger Woods was seriously ready to invest a large part of his fortune on a pro disclosure shoe deal. So you know, <laughs> he was going to go on a whole, you know, a whole. Nike UFO style shoe, and then that's really a big part of what happened. Right. So you know that's that's the prism that they see the world through, and it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not so I'm, I don't rule like almost anything out. So I'm not going to say that you know that UFOs aren't the a number one most important issue in Washington, but I'd say I'm like 95 percent sure they're not. So right. I mean that's about as close as I'll go to like absolute certainty, and you know, the you know the only five percent that makes it sound reasonable is that this country is completely fucked up right now. So maybe maybe that's why maybe that's why it's all messed up because the they're all wrapped up in what they're going to do about UFOs and they've managed to completely botch the economy, the healthcare, and the two wars because they're always like, well, what are we going to do about UFOs? I don't know. Well, let's debate this at length today here in the Oval Office. What about healthcare? Fuck that shit, dude. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of that once we solve this A number one important issue that is UFOs. Like, maybe. That's the only reason why I think that it could be possible, I guess. But I don't think that, you know, it's really that important. And I think anyone that has any UFO information probably, like, is way outside of Washington. It's probably all wrapped up in, like, the military and the commercial interests and shit like that. You know, I think, if anything, the government probably is, like, they were probably taken out of the equation, like, a long time ago. So they probably can't have any. They probably don't have anything to disclose. Right. This is you the know, a, Christmas episode ever. <laughs> Merry like, Christmas. I mean, Merry can you imagine? Everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Ufology, America, we're all fucked. Uh, so, so, so you know, I mean, everyone's like, you know, well, what what are power people going to react if the government comes out and says they don't know anything? I mean, can you imagine how people react if the government came out when they were like? We uh we got a crash flying saucer in like 1950, and then we gave all the parts and stuff to all these Boeing and everybody else, and um, we have no idea where they went or anything, and we're not sure exactly what happened, and all the people that were there are dead, and we destroyed all the records of it. So sorry, but we don't have any idea anymore because we handed over all the information to other people, and then they then they immediately changed the locks, so so we're pretty much out in the cold. I think that's kind of maybe what happened. Hmm. I think the problem could be that I don't, I don't, I mean, you could try to explain compartmentalized information in the government as much as you want to UFO people. And it just doesn't seem to sink in. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't seem to sink in. And, and when you tell somebody that very, very few people have the whole picture, if any, uh, to disclose anything. That's why you keep getting snippets of this and snippets of that that are unproven, unfounded, unbackupable. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, this is why it's it's just all comp- compartmentalized information that no one person's got any kind of answer. Um, 
But I, what what I find interesting about how all this applies to exopolitics is that you know you 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 really, you really look at the just just take for example the X conference crowd, and you you really talk to some of these people or you listen out the corner of your ear when you're in the art gallery there and you listen to people talking and and I've never heard anything but but two things that have come to mind one is that this is dungeons and dragons for adults um that that they read all of the books and then somehow or another they want to be involved in this but they can't research because they don't really have any specialized skill to apply to it so the best thing I can do is go to an X conference and write my congressman and complain and shout from the Thai hills that you know um, that the government knows this and they're not telling us and get everybody worked up and that's how they get involved. And the other half of it would be that uh, this, for some people, um, I don't know that I, I I don't know I'm sitting here trying to think and I don't know that uh, I ever particularly felt this way because it didn't I know it just didn't it didn't didn't register for me that this way but uh, people who have had significant life experiences with this subject um, or with the with the presence or the other or whatever you want to call it yeah um, you know are ridiculed laughed at uh, well you know Tim's a little goofy and uh, God damn it, we're going to this conference, and they're going to tell us what we want to hear and how this is coming out soon. And then everybody will pay. Everybody will then know that I was telling the truth. You know, right, and that, right. that becomes another. I think these are the two hugest draws in the whole exopolitics slash disclosure thing. And um, and I don't I don't think that those feelings are going to go away anytime soon either. I mean, it's escapism for some people, I'm sure. Right, right, exactly, yeah. I, I forgot about the whole aspect of, like, trying to be proven, getting their credit or whatever, you know what I mean? I was right yeah. all along. See, know, I wasn't lying, people, <laughs> you know? I'm not yeah. crazy, see? Yeah, Yeah. so, I mean, they're in for a surprise, because, like, if there ever was a disclosure, you know, you maybe get pat on the back for, like, five minutes, and then everyone will move on with their lives and shit, you know? <laughs> I feel bad for the people like Friedman and stuff who are... At least Friedman will probably get credit because he's such a titan. But like, I feel bad for some of the other people that will be marginalized, really, and forgotten about. You know, a yeah. hundred years later, yeah. where it's like, actually, there were quite a few people who were trying to help us figure out this UFO thing. Not just like, not just Copernicus, you know, who figured out that the Earth revolved around the sun or whatever. It was a lot of people working on that whole thing, you know. So. Right. You know, I don't They'll know. They'll probably, you know, the truth be told, the aliens will probably eat Uncle Stan first. <laughs> what? <laughs> that well, might be true. They might be like, Santa thanks. beard? You can't eat Stan. Come on. <laughs> Ever hear of a toothpick? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, I mean, I don't know. I think that, well, I get, we'll just have to see where this whole exopol thing goes. I mean... I have a feeling, anyway, that they may be supplanted soon by the 2012 crowd, because uh, I have a feeling we're all going to be fucking big-footed by that. See, I, I, have a new, I have a new exopolitical conspiracy theory, and it is this. They were invented in a lab by Nick Redfern and, and Greg Bishop so that in 10 or 11 years they can write books about, geez, should we have been listening to the exopoliticians all along? <laughs> Did they really have something to tell us? The way they do about contactees. <laughs> 
And you guys can write to me, care of Jeremy. At... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, now, you know, I, I try not, like I said earlier about, you know, not, it's not personal or anything. I, I, I don't, I find it annoying, but I don't, I don't lose sleep over it or, uh, you know, get angry over it just because like at the end of the day, there's no, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. And the, the best thing I can do is to not, you know, provide much airtime for the exopolitical aspect of the whole thing. Cause I don't really necessarily agree with where it's going. So it's like, all right, well that's kind of the best I can do, mm-hmm. but I don't get angry about it or anything. Cause you know, it's sort of a sociological problem that's out of my hands. Really. I do my best to try to tell people to look at everything from, all different angles, but don't you yeah. feel bad for people like uh, like uh, Robert Salas? I mean, don't you feel bad for people like that who somehow or another get you know kind of lumped in with that? And these people are, I mean, you certainly can't begrudge Robert Salas for saying, "I think the government knows what's going on, and I think they should tell us." Right, and that's and that's certainly. I mean, this whole discussion certainly isn't meant to malign people like him. Um, it's more that fringy aspect of, you know, that whole, that whole thing. I mean, I remember, God, I used to do signs for Operation Right to Know when they would go pick it, you know, like way back in the, um, uh, I don't know, early nineties. And, uh, and they, they'd go pick at the White House telling, you know, the White House, you know about this and we, we have a right to know and blah, blah, blah. And I, I thought that was weird. I thought this is just a, you know, this feels like a group of hippies who lost everything to protest with when the '60s went out of style, and this is like the next thing we're jumping on. Um, but it's tame com- in comparison to what we're seeing now with exit politics. I mean, it's just uh, right. Yeah. It's a shame, and, and you really you can't fault some of the people involved with it because they 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 have a a, a serious story to tell, and and uh, I don't I don't certainly don't fault them for saying. I don't see how the government can't know, <laughs> and and I you know I wish they would talk about it, but I don't think you hear them shouting from the rooftops that they know what it is. You exactly, know? yeah, that's the difference. That's what we're taking issue here. I think I think we're all in agreement that like, uh, well, I don't know about Jeremy, but uh, that you know we have no problem with asking the government to tell us the quote unquote truth about UFOs. Um, it's like telling people that you know for sure what's going on, and then. Uh, attributing information to inside sources that you refuse to tell and claiming you have information that you refuse to tell um, and then putting out dates for impending disclosure that never happened. I mean, those are the four things that really upset me about the exopolitics crowd. Um, And it's like, you know, if you have some kind of inside information, then fucking tell it. You're the disclosure movement. So fucking disclose. Um, because clearly what, your inside Tim, source has given you shit information because right. this has been going on for five years. So why don't you come out and say, Randy fucking Joe from DARPA is the guy who's telling me this. So right. here's his email address, everybody. Why don't you contact him because he's been, you know, here's the emails he's been sending me. You know, yeah. let's cross this guy off the list of legitimate sources. Yeah. Or give the information out that you have that you claim you can't tell anyone yet. I mean... You're the disclosure movement. Disclose well, what you have. That's well, <laughs> my you issue. Know, Tim, when you when you've talked to people, I, I know, and and I I certainly like the guy, but I, you know, 
I bring the name up only because it, it, it springs to mind when I start thinking about these unnamed sources, you know? Yeah. Um, what, what do you, I mean, Dolan is one that I immediately springs to mind when you say I have sources, you know, here and there that I can't give the names of, but here's what I've been told by, and I really trust these people, which essentially the researcher at that point is saying, you need to trust me and my judgment <laughs> uh, based on what I'm about to tell you because this comes from a source I trust. So therefore, if you trust me, you'll trust what I'm saying is true. I mean, do you think that there is any reason to, to talk about uh, or put forth information that an anonymous source gives you at all? <laughs> I mean, isn't it largely worthless, do you think? Unless, yeah, unless, like, you have it. Uh, verified by a second source, maybe, or... That you can't like, name, <laughs> you know? Right, but if you have two anonymous sources that come from different angles and they both tell you the same thing, then maybe that might be okay. Um, but, I mean, I'm not a, I, I fancy myself a journalist, but I didn't really go to journalism school, so I don't know, like, what the rules are on this kind of thing, uh, attributing to sources and stuff. And I, I'm pretty sure, um, you know, I think that would be okay, but... Well, usually, I think maybe... usually when you have an anonymous source, you have a bunch of anonymous sources, right? And they all step forward and they're like, we don't want to risk our jobs, but here's what we know. And then it, right. if the information is valid, uh, if it's political, let's say, then there's a congressional subcommittee that is formed to investigate, you know, based on something the New York Times wrote, based on right. anonymous sources. With ufology, there ain't none of that. Right. There's no investigation that's going to happen as a result of this information, so it's no better than a rumor at that point. Yeah, and I mean, that's really what an anonymous source thing is. You know what I mean? Like, it really boils down to a rumor uh, at the end of the day to everyone but the person who knows who the anonymous source is. Because then they, I guess, know where it came from. They have more information about it. Um, I'm saying it and makes to sense them, it's other, either the truth or parts, a lie. Yeah, in other journalistic realms it makes sense to have anonymous sources because that's how that's how you find out about the dastardly things that are going on that shouldn't be going on uh, yeah in a more benign way you know you can't do that here you anonymous can't sources and... there's no there's no way to investigate beyond what this person is saying to find out the truth or or not truth of it and, and i want to know what goes into now i saw another thing about serpo you know they're release they're still releasing information right these serpo people <laughs> yeah i heard something like that yeah so i don't understand who who is why? Why are people doing that? Who is doing that? I mean, are these just like bored sci-fi authors who are like, "This is this is my version of a multi you know multiplayer online game, where I get everyone interested in my story and just keep giving them bits of tantalizing information that that reap me no financial gain at all." I mean, I, I really would love to know the mind that goes into you know elaborate hoaxes like that. Is it purely a power play? I mean, what what do you guys think? Uh... You know, I don't know. It it could be just like some bored clown, like what I think those drone pictures were, or it could be, you know, wrapped up in some kind of disinformation just to get ufology excited about something completely stupid and not related to anything they should be looking at. But at this point, like, do you really need to dis disinform the UFO community? Because, like we were saying, like, this thing's been on this thing's been on the treadmill here for, like, at least... I like to say that ufology died, like, in the early 70s, so I'd say the, at least since the early 70s. So 
we're talking like almost 40 years of of really no significant progress um, as far as like figuring this out. I mean, there's been progress in the sense of collection of data, but other than that, uh, I don't think there's really been and sort of like select whistleblower type situations. But I mean, let's get to, let's cut to the chase. There's no answer. We're no further along in figuring out what this is all about than we were in the early 70s. We just have a shitload more information. Um, so, shit, I lost my train of thought. Oh, the Serpo folks. I mean, so why why would they even be disinforming the UFO community? Like, why would they even need to send them on some rough offside tangent when it's like they're spinning the wheels already anyway? So it makes you think that it's just some bored jerk either who hates the UFO community or, you know, is fascinated by the sociological aspect and is trying to, you know, see how this whole thing spreads around and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe some kind of government test to see how it spreads around, like how DARPA did those red balloon things like a month ago. Part of that was like to do a study on how Internet communities active, like uh, interact and stuff. So, I mean, it could be something like that. Well, I, don't know. Um, I, but, I read, um, I don't remember the man's name, but uh, someone, <coughs> posted, bless you. someone posted a link uh, to a guy with some fairly famous UFO footage who outed himself as a hoaxer and said, ah, ha, ha, here's how I did it. And the whole tone of his email and his explanation of why and how he did everything uh, yeah. was completely emotionally shallow. And then you think about it, it's like, that makes sense. I mean, who is it that that so despises the retarded UFO community enough to hoax them to prove that they're, they can be duped. Well, like, duh. Uh, well, it's gotta be somebody even more retarded, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. It's like someone with some deep seated anger issues. That's like, you know, there's so, there are certain, you know, there are TV shows I don't like, but I don't fucking go on their message boards and rip on them for rip on the fans for liking them. You know what I mean? It's like, whatever. If you like that, fine. You know, go watch that show about the family that fixes up motorcycles. You know, I mean, people <laughs> like it. People want to watch it. That's cool for them. They like them. They feel engaged with that show. Cool. But I'm not into it. But I'm not going to fucking, you know, throw eggs at the <laughs> at their house, at the family's house that does the show. I mean, it just seems kind of crazy. But there are people, I guess, that it's too much time on their hands, really. And that's that's what I think it is. I think it's... it's uh... It's people who in their real life really don't have much going on, much going for them, I should say. Uh, probably no real power in their lives over you know, work or home life or whatever it is. And when you've sat down at a computer and you've typed out this elaborate scheme that you've dreamed up and you've got people hanging on your every post waiting for your next words, you know, I'm assuming that's probably a powerful feeling for some people to have. And, oh, uh, yeah. You know, I don't think you can escape that notion of, um, you know, that, uh, I don't know, probably the same way that people who are, I mean, there are people who are so into haunted houses, like building them and running them at Halloween, and it's all about that feeling of knowing this is not real, but we're going to scare the hell out of all these people, and there's a certain amount of of power in that, I think, for some people that don't have any in, in a normal uh, normal life. Also interesting, this guy mentioned that he had some accompanying basic crop circles uh, that went with his UFO stuff. And he said, God, I'll never do the crop circle stuff again because you go out there at night, you, you stomp that those crop circles, and then 
you come home with bugs and scratches all over you. Uh, so he said he did it once and he'd never do it again. And I think, well, geez, but what about these crop circle hoaxers in England who do it every season? I mean, what must the mentality of a crop circle hoaxer be? I mean, because I had never thought about that. Geez, yeah, that's right. There's bugs, especially late at night. Uh, you're going to get cut. You're going to get ticks. You're going to, you know, all this awful stuff that can happen. I mean, what um, goes into somebody who decides to spend nights of their lives doing that for no gain? Yeah, but, you know, I mean, there are people who are into all kinds of weird stuff. I mean, are they any different from furries? <laughs> what are furries? Those are like people who enjoy dressing up like in mascot costumes. Oh, I was worried that's what that was. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. I mean, I don't begrudge the furries, and I don't begrudge the crop circle makers. So, you know, the furries are as esoteric as the crop circle makers, so more power to them. Um, you know, so, I mean, I don't, I guess I don't want to judge people that do that. It doesn't that's hurt their you thing. to put on a furry costume. It does hurt you to go out and get bugs and scratches all I'd like over to, Yeah, but I'd like to think that if you're, if you're one of these people that, do, that does it all the time, that you probably know what you're doing and you're a little more prepared. You know what I mean? That you're wearing gloves, or well, it's probably a rush, isn't it? I mean, it, to to go out into somebody's field and uh, yeah, and the potential of getting caught and and the you know the taboo practice of destroying someone's property, and then you've got this great aspect of I go home and I wake up to this firestorm of attention over what I did in a field that no one knows about. Exactly. You know, I mean, yeah, there's I mean, something about that for people, or for some people that that get a serious rush out of that. Exactly. I mean, so, I mean, I can understand why they do it, so... Well, maybe it's because they have less to do in England, do you think? you think if they had, like, <laughs> HD TVs and, and uh, you know, the, the, the sort of crap that we fill our times with? Um, I mean, they, they do have that stuff, but not as much as we do. Uh, they do have regulations on certain things, and I, I wonder if, uh, if they just had more to do. <laughs> if they, I just they think that that's crap. their thing. I mean, you know, that's I their thing. UK listeners, please send your hate mail to Jeremy Vaney, care of Paratopia. Yeah. They don't have HDTV out there yet. <laughs> they're, they're waiting for the boats to come across with them. <laughs> well, no, well, last uh, I knew, uh, TV was regulated in, in England in terms of... No, it is pretty like, regulated. Yeah, it I know. still goes off at they, night. Wow. Does it? I don't know. I, I thought mean, it went all... Not now, but last I knew, which was not too long ago. I know there's only five over-the-air channels. Uh-huh. Because I lived there for like uh, six months, and it's like they only have five over-the-air channels, and then otherwise you have to get like satellite, <laughs> which is like the equivalent. No, of cable. they've got it over uh, us because they can show boobs over there on TV. Yeah, the TV's a lot better actually. Yeah, because like two of the channels, I think at least two are commercial-free completely. Like so, their shows are like you know, like when they had the Office and stuff, it used to be commercial-free. So I mean, the TV's better, but it's weird too because like there's only five channels. But, like, it's not like here where they try to put the most crazy, awesomest stuff on in prime time. It's like, for some reason, like at 8 at night, they show, like, some gardening show. <laughs> and, and it's like, there's five channels, dude. Like, what? why are you showing this gardening show at 8 at night? This is crazy. Like, show me something exciting or, or awesome. So, I don't know. I mean, I wish I'd had satellite when I was up there. That's really... Gardening, crops, see? It's in their blood. Oh, it all comes together. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, different cultures have fun, different things they do. I mean, I don't really have a problem with the people that want to do that. Right. As long as well, they're not, like, 
Well, I guess they are kind of trying to hoax it on everybody, but I think I think people are a little more jaded about crop circles now in general. Uh, Not on this show, they ain't. Uh-uh. <laughs> nice. Well, i got to look more. I haven't really done an investigation into crop circles in a, ever, I think. So I'd have to do look into it more. Who do you recommend? Colin Andrews? Yep. Uh-huh. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. But, yeah, I haven't really thought about it. I've kind of dismissed crop circles. Not because of those two hoaxer dudes, but just because, like, they're, like, even more uh, wheel-spinning, I've, I've found, than UFOs. But maybe from what you guys are saying, there's more to it that I haven't heard yet. I think there's um, a hell of a lot like, more... There's a hell of a lot more deliberate contamination of that than there is UFOs to me. I mean, when you look at season after season of how many fake crop formations show up as opposed to, you know, not seeing a legitimate one for a couple of years at a time. Yeah. You know, you, you've got a lot more shit going on there and that, you know, people pissing in the pool than you do in ufology where, you know, a guy may, might hoax a, a drone shot, you know, one week and you, you don't hear anything for three or four months. Uh, right, right. You know, well, it's, it's, it almost seems deliberate. I hate to say that because I'm not a big conspiratorial guy when it comes to the, a lot of this stuff, but I'll tell you, you know, the, the, the two guys we had on or three guys we had on Richard Hall and David Caton and Robert Hulls, uh, you know, made a pretty good case for, uh, at least one group being associated with MI5 over there. And, um, you know, whether or not it's true or not, who knows, but it certainly seems very suspicious to me, uh, based on what was presented. So, uh, I, I mean, I mean, who knows? It, I mean, but there's, you know, Collins, I guess, you know, it, to put it in a nutshell, what amazed me about Collins' uh, outlook on this is that even the host circles have something to do with this. In that yeah, it has that a lot, kind of thing, yeah. you know, to do with human consciousness than it does aliens and, you know, saucer nests and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, they're like wrong to make the designs and stuff. And they, right, right. You know, they're almost like in some kind of trance or something when they come up with the designs and stuff. Yeah. Right? That kind of thing. Yeah, sure. I mean, you, you know, and it works right into. Other shows that we've done, like uh, um, I heard you mention O'Brien earlier. I mean, I mean, to me, the the king of the trickster stuff is uh, is George Hansen, and you know, even he talked about uh, marginality in all of this kind of stuff, in, in legitimate paranormal phenomena, marginality being a factor in it, and uh, you know, and and having a, a guy out hoaxing a crop circle witness balls of light over his head that seem to be doing something and, and influencing what he's doing. I mean, you don't get much more marginal than that, you know? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting, you know? Uh, but, uh, but I, that, man, I talk about, I feel sorry for those guys. Cause I'll tell you, it's an uphill battle trying to stay on top of nonsense over there with that subject. I mean, good Lord, how many people are going out with a board and a plank at night, you know? Why don't they just all take a year off? Just all well, the boxers. If you're out there exactly. listening to this, if you can hear my voice, take next year off. I just yeah. want to see what happens. I think yeah. that would be like one of those things where people are like, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> yes. like, everybody would just <laughs> just keep doing it. And they're like, well, you were supposed to quit, dude, so then I did mine. And you didn't, you know. Right. And it's like, well, I heard you were planning on one, so we had to do a preemptive crop circle of our own. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you could ever get them to quit. And I don't think, like you were saying, uh, Jeff, you know, no one's pissing in the UFO pool because it's already fucking like 70% urine already. It it is piss, yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's very little clear water left, so. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, 
Tim, what do you think? What do you think is like the biggest UFO story that you like that you thought was good in recent years? What do you think is a good case that's come up? Public case, like in the last ten years, last five years. Shit. I mean, I can only think of like even. I can only think of like even two cases in the last five years that have even been of interest. That was the Stephenville and the O'Hare. I mean, there's no, you know. Otherwise, they all sort of start running together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Where it's sure. like, if you go to the Peter Davenport website, you can go through like, you can go through like 30, 40 UFO cases like every month. And it's like, you know, there are some in there that are probably really good, but it's like, not to sound like the people we were criticizing earlier, but I just don't have the time to go through all those cases to figure out which ones are good and which ones aren't. Yeah. And I don't know anyone that's really doing the really good investigations as far I'm sure there's a lot of people doing great investigations, but I don't really see them like collated in any form where it's like, here's the best cases of the last, well, some dude on, no, no pun intended, some dude on examiner does do a column like that. And, uh, so, I mean, he's doing a pretty good job, I think, but, uh, I've tuned out case reports to be honest. Like I just don't have an interest and the yeah. only reason why the, those two that I mentioned were of interest is because then they generated all this interest from the mainstream media, and then I could kind of follow it in that regard. Right. Like, I got that interview I did with Jeremy way back on Culture of Contact, like, stymied some people, I guess, on me. So I should, like, kind of clarify, because a lot of people, I've seen it posted in other places where they're like, he says he's only interested in the people and not the phenomenon. That means he doesn't believe. And just for those folks out there, you know, I believe the UFO phenomenon is real. I have no idea what it is. Um, I've come to the conclusion that most people don't, like 99%. And I've also come to the conclusion that the people we've tasked with figuring it out, the UFO community, have fucking failed miserably. Um, So what do you want me to do? You want me to keep having people on my show and just do case reports over and over again? Um, Or just keep rehashing how we don't know what the answer is. Like, I'd rather at least look at it from a different angle, which is like, how did this thing go so far off course uh, since the 1970s, where it looked like we were doing a pretty good job of figuring this out? You know, I don't, I don't think it's like, I don't think I'm betraying the UFO field by having an interest in the sociological aspect. Um, you know, the mo- some of the most seminal books written were from Jacques Vallée, and they were on the sociological aspect of UFOs, and mm-hmm. Greg Bishop's Project Beta almost entirely takes place on the ground with UFO personalities, mm-hmm. and it's like one of the best UFO books ever written, so uh, you know, <laughs> the oh, you, sociological you, 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 aspect is huge. You, you don't have a UFO to study, so what are you going to study? The, the reports filed by people. <laughs> right. Mean, not a whole lot more you can follow, but I, I mean, I, I noticed that you had said earlier about... Um, Oh, I gotta stop drinking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I only drink once a year, and I just picked today. Uh, you were talking about, you know, in the past X amount of years, there really hasn't been anything new. We haven't right. learned. We haven't learned anything. Um, do you do you put that solely down to the research, or do you see that? I mean, I mean, at least I mean, this is what I'm throwing out there as, as a reason for that is that the phenomena certainly isn't becoming more explicit either. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's yeah, the it's, phenomenon's it's, spinning its wheels too. Sure, yeah, and I, uh, I think 
we'll look back on this decade maybe as the decade when uh, the people who were investigating UFOs started to take a second look at a whole bunch of different stuff, mm-hmm. which is why I think you've seen the interdimensional trickster stuff coming out. And even though Jeremy sounds down on it, um, you know, the contactee stuff that Nick Redfern's doing now and the Project Beta stuff that Greg Bishop did, um, you know, I think we'll look back on the aughts as the decade when we sort of said, wait a minute, hold on a minute, let's stop, let's look at what we've collected so far, and let's try and figure out where we're at. I, so I, I think throw that, a, a disclaimer out and just say that I've not read the contactee book, I don't even really know what it's about, I just wanted to make the joke. It was just a joke. All right. Just a joke. All right. No, no, no. I didn't, you know. <laughs> I didn't mean I didn't mean to throw you under the bus there. I just didn't I just didn't want no, to I did have a good to, job myself of throwing me under the bus. <laughs> so that's fine. So I think that's really what what has been the sort of the story of the of the decade here. And um, you know, just to go back to what I said earlier, like, you know, just because I mentioned the sociological aspect doesn't mean I'm working against UFO research. That's kind of what irked me about the reaction that some people had. It was like, you know what? Listen, don't tell me what to fucking believe, and don't tell me what to fucking think. I'll do what I want to do, and if you don't like my perspective on it, shoot me a fucking email, rip my ass for it. I'll be happy to show you how to start your own fucking podcast. Um, You know, this is my show. End of story. Like I'm, I love I love doing guests that people want to hear and stuff like that. But don't tell me how my perspective should be. That's not cool. So you know, yeah. it all that kind of stuck in my craw ever since I started seeing people take issue with what I said, which is like, you know, completely ignores a whole part of the field that apparently they think that isn't important. What's important apparently to them is just the phenomenon, right. which you know doesn't make any fucking sense because we don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it comes down again to a lot of people listen to a show and they um, they don't want the host to have an opinion. <laughs> I mean, it's the way it used to be. The host had no opinion, and the host was just there to host the guest and ask the questions. He wasn't really supposed to have an opinion. And uh, anytime right. well, you I voice think- something of your own, you know, anytime you throw something out, you know, that's what I like about doing this show is like that's all we do is throw shit out, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, and, and I'm I'm actually surprised in sitting here thinking about it because I I I don't know if it's just the beer or uh, that I'm becoming reflective, uh, but but or both. <laughs> I don't know. It's usually both, uh, I find. Yeah, um, but, one leads to the other. But you know, I think about that that we haven't really. We haven't, well, we haven't at all entertained the lunatic fringe. We haven't had them on to rip them apart. We haven't uh, had them on to ask them serious questions either. Uh, but we've had um, very little as far as the, the, the true believers on or the, you know, the, the hardcore ETHers on. We, don't, we haven't really had those on. But yet I don't think we've run out of any room to talk about this stuff in, in a constructive way. You know exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's exactly. just so many goddamn venues or, or directions and avenues you can go with it that you know where where where's it end? I mean, it, 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 and and in the end, what what are you doing? <laughs> you know, what are you doing? You're just throwing out new ideas and hoping that one of them has a hook on the end of it. So, uh, you know, 
I mean, do you, do, yeah. you ever just, do you ever just get so frustrated you just want to say fuck it and quit? Oh, yeah, dude, all the time. And if I got a fat offer from a, uh, you know, a good media company, you know, and all of America would shut down within uh, two weeks. <laughs> I mean, I have no loyalty to this field in that regard. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't know ufology and esoterica, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've pretty much bankrupted myself <laughs> doing this. I don't make shit for money. Um, sure, I, I get a lot of great emails from folks that love my work and they love what I do, and I, I love hearing from them, and I appreciate that. But, you know, that don't pay the bills. Yeah. I can't send an email to my credit card company. You know, I can't be like, listen, I can't pay the me- the minimum balance this month, dude, but here's five emails from people that love my podcast. <laughs> so could you please, you know... Are those worth anything to you guys? You know, they'd be like, get the fuck out of here, dude. So, so <laughs> you know, of course, it's very frustrating. I mean, I'm lucky in the sense that, thankfully, you know, I don't have too many haters, and I don't really deal with them anymore. I haven't, I've, tuned, I've found a way to just pretty much tune them out. It right. got to me, like, maybe a couple of years ago where I was like, you know, I thought about bailing on the field just because of the haters, but now it's just like, uh, whatever, you know. You ever, second guess your, you ever second guess your insanity when it comes to haters? What's that? And, and, you know, and second guess what you're saying, like, you know, do, do they ever uh, do they ever give you pause at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes they have good points. Um, and if they email me in the first place and say them, uh, you know, I'd usually take that into consideration. I mean, I still take into consideration what they say, yeah. you know, but when they go on, like, other forums and shit, and they're like, it all sucks. It's like, how are you, how is that helping anyone, dude? <laughs> kind of like to throw back to what we were talking about earlier, like, I like Heroes, and I like Lost, but the difference between the two is, like, the Grand Canyon in quality. Like, Lost is outstanding television, Heroes is, like, garbage, but I still kind of like it. But I don't go on <laughs> I agree. the Heroes Completely forum. I agree with you. <laughs> Thank you. I don't go on the Heroes forum and say... Heroes fucking sucks. Lost is fucking awesome. Heroes, uh, you know, here's 80 reasons why Heroes is awful. Here's 80 reasons why Lost is awesome. You know, love me, love me, love me. Fuck you, Heroes. Like, I don't do that because, you know, who is that serving? What is that doing? How is that helping anyone? It, It doesn't, you know? And in this really small world that we're in, like, I can't write to people who do Heroes and be like, Here's why your show sucks, A, B, C, D, down to Z. Um, but, you know, someone who disagrees with the way I do my show could easily send me an email and be like, I don't like the way you do this, or I don't like the way you do that. But they don't. They'd rather just go on a forum and bitch about me there. So it's like, you know, that's frustrating. Yeah. When you're working fucking really hard and you're not getting any money for it and you're putting your shit out for free, um, and they could just as easily do it themselves, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, you know, and that's the point where I kind of fucking just gave up on caring what they say because it's like, you know, dude, I used to be just like you guy. I used to sit around on the coast to coast message board and critique the show left and right and air my grievances and everything else. And then finally I was like, you know, Hey, why don't I start my own show? And why don't I just go in my own direction and try and do my own thing? And that way I don't, you know, I'm not tearing something down. I'm building something else up. Right. And, you know, that's kind of 
the way I came about. So it's sort of like I can look at them like that, and it, after a while it's like, listen, if you're just going to sit on the forum and bitch about me, like, I don't really care what you say because clearly you don't care enough about the subject to, to do anything more than post on forums. Oh, conflict you know? whores. I mean, <clears throat> conflict whores are everywhere in this. I mean, they, they're, I, I'm convinced, beyond convinced that, there are people in this, uh, you know, as far as the online community of ufology goes, that are strictly in it to, you know, pander about with their $3 words and terminology that, you know, most of the readers can't even relate to and 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 are interested in nothing more than uh, taking out uh, some kind of deep-seated frustration that they can't let out any other way, you know, so they come right. here and let it out, you know. Exactly, uh, but but has there you ever know. been a, a guest that you've had on that uh, I don't know that maybe you felt pretty good about, and then when you saw the feedback, you were like, "Jesus Christ, I wish I never fucking had this person on." <laughs> I mean, can you think of one that you've had that that you just said, "Oh my God, what a disaster this was"? Ironically enough, I've had interviews like that, but the it goes the opposite way, where I'm like, "That was a fucking disaster," just like you said, and then I hang up. And everything, and uh, then I put it out there, and I usually get some pretty good feedback. So I'm like, wow, people really like that. So I'm kind of surprised by that. Um, I'm trying to. mm. I mean, you don't have to name anybody by name because I know you know you kind of come from the school, same school salt as we do to a certain degree. That you know, why alienate people who may down the line have something interesting to say? But you know, I mean, I was just curious. You know, I'm trying to think like. I can't think of anyone where I was just like, that was like where I thought it was good and then people hated it. I'm trying to think now. Or how about if you hated it and the people hated it too? (laughs) How about that way? Yeah, there have been a few like that. There have been a few (laughs) like that. If anything, it's more like they didn't hate it, but I just never heard any feedback at all about it. It was almost Uh like they didn't even listen. So it was like, oh, geez, like nobody fucking wrote me about that episode. Uh, well, that's usually I'm like, I usually sort of, that's one of those like, whoo, type, <laughs> type things where I'm like, all right, let's quickly get the next episode out. Quickly <laughs> get the next show out there to them so they quickly forget about this episode that I really didn't enjoy at all. You so know? On, our, on so, our forum, it goes the other way where it's that they they do write about every episode, but it's as if they didn't listen to it. How do they how do they write about it? I, don't know, I just wanted to further alienate myself. <laughs> Send your hate mail to Jeremy Vaney at Paratope.net. Um, yeah, you know. Now I should probably clarify though that if I did get a fat media offer, I'd probably have to weigh it carefully before I shut down Banal of America. But it was like you know, money's tight right now, dude. <laughs> like, uh, and so if I got a good job offer, I'd almost have to take it. It's almost to the point now where it's like I wouldn't really have much choice in the matter. I'd be a fool not to get out of this if I could get a good job because I don't foresee, you know, a life where I'm going to be ever getting by any more than month to month like I'm doing right now. So it's like if I want to ever have a family and shit, I'm going to have to get out of this. So if Bassett was like, here's a million dollars, come be an exopolitical proponent for us. How far would Tim go to sell out? I don't know if I'd sell out that far. Well, I mean, is that tax-free million dollars? or? <laughs> yeah. Of course, it's under the table. It's Bassett. 
Oh, oh, jeez. Wow, dude. Do you guys have lawyers over there? <laughs> You're going to need this episode vetted. Um, no, I don't know if I'd do that. If anything, though, dude, I, I, I'd probably do it for a while and then just bail on it and then, you know, blow the whistle on how crazy it was. But, no, I don't know. I'm just no, saying I mean, that if, if it, it's hard to fucking make a living doing this, and I'm only 30 now, so at some point you got to kind of shit or get off the pot with life. And <laughs> if <laughs> and so at some point I'm either going to have to make a decision that, like, you know, this is my life. I'm going to be an, an esotericist, for, for lack of a better term, um, you know, or, you know, the economy's turned around. There's all these jobs and radio stations and stuff and media companies and stuff now that I can look for, maybe I should move on and do something else now that I have all this experience producing my own show and everything. Yeah. You know, like I said, I mean, I don't have, uh, I wouldn't say I have no loyalty to Esoterica, but it's, it's kind of like on the down low at this point, just yeah. because, you know, it's such a thankless field. Well, I mean, people don't position. realize that, do they? I mean, I don't think people really realize that how much money I mean that it really takes. I mean, you look at uh, some of these researchers out there. I mean, like, I mean, like, take Colin Andrews for example. Take Richard Dolan for example. You know, these guys. I mean, God knows uh, how they probably don't do very well a lot of the time in in uh, in in trying to financially support themselves and a family uh, and study this stuff. I mean, it it can lead you to absolute ruination. I mean, I can't tell you. Uh, I can't tell you how many thousands of dollars I've blown on this crap, and you know, and sometimes to 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 find out something interesting, but not anything that's going to get me anywhere in the long run. Um, but and and then comes right down to the to the podcasters, the people you know, like you and us doing this stuff that uh, you know, I don't think people realize how much time and effort that it really takes to do it, and and money. And what you could exactly. be doing with that time if you weren't doing this, you know? Right, exactly. And then, and then yeah. when you've got somebody coming at you saying, you know, Tim, you suck, then people wonder why you get bent and just want to quit, <laughs> you know? Right, right. I, I, I never get cease, it never ceases to amaze me that people don't understand that, you know, that you're actually, you know, the, the, the two hours we've been sitting here, we all three could have made four or 500 bucks probably doing something. And, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or spending time with our families or something, you know. Yeah, I mean, it is the holiday yeah. season, but we're taking time out of our thing to, you know, do that. So it's My like... My mom came to visit me today, and I stuffed her in another room to wrap presents while we do that. Well, she's wrapping presents, so... <laughs> well, I mean, that's true. I mean, she has a job to do. That's right. Put her ass <laughs> she to kept work. Her busy. <laughs> she can't hear I'm, me. Oh, no. Um, yeah, dude, it, that's, that's what gets you down, you know, really, yeah. on the whole thing. Not the field, really, either. It's not like I'm ever, like, it's not like, you know, the November 27th thing or the Bigfoot body hoax last year. I've never, right. nothing like that ever happens where I'm like, that's it, I'm out, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. You know, it's more just like, this is way too draining, and, you know, you, you look at, like, Dick Hall, who died this year and died fucking destitute. Yeah. and was like a fucking legend in the field. And it gives you pause to think, you know, do I want to be in an assisted care living home 
when I'm fucking like 70 something with absolutely no money and you know, you know, I, I don't know about Dick Hall, so I, this isn't in relation to him, but like, um, you know, I don't have a family, really a wife or anything or kids or anything like that. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to die like that, dude. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you have to at some point make time for yourself or else you're going to get swallowed up by this thing. Oh, that's part of its nature too. I mean, that's, that's definitely, uh, I mean, that's definitely figured in to me, to my life for sure. But you hear this from more and more people that, uh, you know, you get, you get borderline obsessive with it at times. And, uh, right. but, I'll, but I'll tell you, you know, for all its shit, um, and, and, and frankly, between Jeremy and I, all the shit that we've dealt with over the past year with this show, um, I tell you, man, when you get that that guest like Graham Hancock, like Colin Andrews, like you know uh, David Robert, you know Halls and uh, and Caton uh, uh, and Rich Hall, and, and these people, when you get people like that on the show, I mean, I mean, it's just something just clicks, and there ain't nothing like it, you know. I, no, I no, mean, I know exactly, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I still mean, do love what I do, so it's not like I'm sitting here like pissed off that I chose the path that I took. Yeah. I mean, I'm really happy with the way things have gone and this year has oh, been yeah. wildly successful for me. So, I mean, I'm really happy right. with how it all, how it's all gone, you know, but it's just frustrating, you know, being part of this fringe community in general. Yeah. You know, the fringe of the fringe as Jeremy quoted me saying, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, it's have you found, have frustrating you, uh, part. Have you found that it's, it's, uh, have you felt its effects through other aspects of your life, just you know, doing that show and and being associated with that subject? Have you found that it's affected your private life in any real way, like in the way of getting jobs or uh, you know people you no. meet on the street? I mean, anything like that? Have you ever felt any negative effects out of it? Not too much. I mean, I'm really careful with how I fra- how I frame what I do when I talk to people. So. Mm-hmm. They don't think that I'm fucking true believer maniac. Do you know what right. I mean? Sure. Because um, that, that's like the last impression you want to give them. Um, but not in the job front. If anything, it just takes up so much time that it's hard to have a, a personal life or it's hard to have other interests and stuff. That's why. For it to intrude into. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like I barely have time to do anything. Like I literally like just put out my show this morning, did like two hours Christmas shopping, took a nap. And now I'm doing this show, and, you know, I got maybe three days of downtime, and then I'm back to taping interviews, scheduling interviews, reading books. It's like, you know, it keeps me very busy, but I really love what I do, so I have no complaints about the show or anything or, or, you know, the gig. It's just exhausting. It's a a sacrifice, you know, it is. Yeah, and then when you get the attitude, it's like, I don't need this, you know. <laughs> it, it's like, dude, what's what's your deal? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just frustrating. Jeremy, do you, do you do you feel like that's a do you feel like it's a huge sacrifice to you? Yeah. show. And being involved in this at all. I mean, do you Um, it's a, it's definitely a sacrifice in time. Mm-hmm. Um I I don't know. I guess I'm I don't particularly question, gee, should I be spending this much time doing this or not? Um, it just it just isn't an issue for me, I guess. I don't know. Huh. Not, not yeah. 
The I mean, time I, really you, is... You know, I do... Jeff, you know, of course, that I do get, like, what am I doing, you know? Oh, like, sure. Right. Like, what are we doing this for? Uh, exactly, really yeah. Frustration, yeah, that I understand, but... Um, no. And you know what I mean when I say when you hit somebody like Colin Andrews, you know, it's like it's like you've just pierced that last little bit of Earth's crust and we got, we got a gusher, you know? Well, yeah, mean? of course. I mean, there's not just, you know, something like that is even more special than being in the zone with a guest or with new information or, or in, yeah. that, in that. I mean, what came of that for us? This sort of multi-layered bunch of experiences that still continue, you know, uh, and yeah. for me ended up with a healing, uh, literally a physical healing experience where my back was healed, you know, uh, would that have happened had we not done that Colin Andrews interview? No. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and then, and then to that, you know, to, is, is also sort of personal validation that the stuff he's talking about is, is authentic. And sure. Not, uh, garbage. Yeah. So, um, so no, I'm completely thankful for that type of stuff. Uh, and I don't. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think about it in terms of like, well, gee, should I look back on my life and wonder if I should have stayed in television? Am I spending too much time doing this and I should be doing something else? Um, yeah. No. Um, you know, who cares? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, when <laughs> I look at something when I, life, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I look at it, I, I sit and I take stock of all this, like we're doing right now, and I go, "Is it worth it?" And I go, "Yeah, it is." So, is it for you guys? I mean, is it worth it? Right now, it is still worth it. Right now, the yeah. my complaints uh, yeah. are, um, well, if if I'm vocal with you, it's because, um, you know, things that are sore like a thumb stick out like a sore thumb. But that means that everything else is fine, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so if I complain about one or two things here and there, then that's usually a good sign that everything else is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty much of the same mindset. I mean, it's totally worth it. I've had so much fun in the last five years doing this that, you know, I'm loving it. The yeah. only exception really is just how difficult financially it is, you know, because yeah. I don't have a second – well, I have a second job, and that's all, you know, that uh, that pays for what I do. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like it's a push, you know. I don't have like a, uh, like a real career job type thing where – you know, this is a hobby or anything. The esoteric is like my gig, so... Um, well, I don't you know, even see it like like that so much, you know? I mean, I see it like, do we have forward momentum? Do I feel like we're getting somewhere? And it doesn't even matter if we do. <laughs> it just matters that I feel like we are. I feel like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, and that keeps me going, you know? Um, you know, exactly. you know, I've done the Culture Contact Conference. I've lost thousands of dollars. I mean, I'm no stranger to that. Um, and I will continue to lose thousands of dollars in this, probably. Um, it's, just, it's just the name of the game, and and that's what you've got to do if you want to be an honest broker. You can't have the giant uh, you, turds that are stars. You know, <laughs> you can't. You, you, here, here's what here's what Exopolitics does: they take a piece of shit and they put it in a suit and tie and some maybe some glasses, uh, and they put it on stage and they go, um, "Here's your expert." And then people pay to see that that expert, and they go, something smells like shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) They could at least electroplate the goddamn thing, you know? (laughs) If it it costs thousands of dollars to keep that piece of shit off my stage, then that's what I'll spend. (laughs) (laughs) Hateful bastard you are. You are a hateful bastard. 
Yeah, what a, <laughs> what a Christmas show this is. Merry yeah. Christmas. We've got a, like a minute or two left. Why don't we do uh, the super-duper Hollywood happy ending and uh, go around and give something we're thankful for here in the end of 2009. All right. Should I go first? Of course. Oh, all right. Um, you know, well, kind of like to piggyback on what we were sort of talking about here at the end thing, you know, um, I'm thankful, obviously I'm thankful for my health and all that stuff you're supposed to say, so we'll take care of all that first, you know, I'm thankful for my family and uh, my awesome staff of writers and stuff who really keep the website running pretty much, <laughs> like way, they had six days worth of content, I only had one day worth, so, you know, they handle the bulk of stuff, and, um, you know, I always make sure that I give them props because they're awesome, um, and I'm just thankful that we, we've had another great year and that we're still going and that I haven't been completely worn out yet. So, you know, and it's still fun for me. So, you know, that's really all that matters because if you're not having fun in this, what's the whole point? Jeff? Well, I'm thankful that that beer can's in the trash can. But aside from that, <laughs> um, uh, I think I'm. I think I'm. I'm extremely thankful that this show took off despite the adversity that it started out with, or uh, already heaped upon it. Um, I'm really thankful for listeners who, you know, when they heard the call that we needed help to keep this podcast going, um, gave lots of their hard-earned money uh, in a in an economy that's in the fucking toilet. And they thought enough of us to contribute and pay for this show uh, to keep it going. I mean, that to me is um, – I mean, people can talk ego all they want. You know, it's, it's not ego when you go, man, <laughs> that feels good. It, and it does. It does make you feel good when people give for you to keep going. And, and I'm, I'm super thankful for our listeners. And, uh, and I'm, I'm super thankful for uh, Jeremy. I really am because uh, let me tell you guys, I, I mean, I love this guy. I mean, we don't just talk about this. <laughs> we make love. This. <laughs> now, I don't mean like that. Oh. I mean, I want to have sex with him. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, we, we, we talk about every aspect of our lives to get, you know, uh, with, with each other. And, um, and, and I, let me tell you what, this guy is a, is a rarity in humanity in that, uh, he's a genuinely light, nice guy and, and, uh, and makes you think. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to have somebody, uh, to do a podcast with and to have a friend who, you know, values what I have to say as much as, you know, uh, he, he, he puts value on what he says. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's really great. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Well, I don't know how to follow that, Jeff. Thank you. Um, I am great. What I'm thankful for, I am, uh, well, of course I am <laughs> no, I'm not allowed to say I'm thankful for Jeff. Cause it sounds three, like two, one. <laughs> I'm thankful for Lisa, Jeff's wife. <laughs> oh boy. Oh no! Oh, because she uh, hasn't said you've got to stop this and meant it yet. <laughs> uh, I am thankful for Jeff because, uh, yeah, you well, <laughs> you're 
you're it for me in this. And um, oh, Jesus. you complete him. You do. You complete me. Well, it's as I've told you before. If if um, I don't know if if your stuff ever turned out to be anything other than what it is, I would have to rethink everything that's happening to me. Like that's how much stock I put into your experiences. Um, and in you as a person. Um, so don't fuck that up for me. Wait, what? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, um... <laughs> Spoken like a true codependent. Yeah. No, but, uh, uh but I'm also... Let me throw for... one thing in, too. I should, obviously, I want to... I'm not done being thankful yet. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not done being thankful. All right. Anyway, what was what that? Was <laughs> Jeff, are you playing me out? Is that my... <laughs> yeah, what is that? He's playing me out. I want to thank the Academy. Jeff, I'm also thankful that um, that you're open-minded in all of this, as am I, and that we haven't come to any firm conclusions and uh, rested on our laurels with all of that. And um, I appreciate all the work that you do on this in getting guests. Um, I don't know, just shooting the shit. Tim, I'm thankful that you're our guest. Well, thank you. Thank you. I thank you for having me. Yes. Um, but I, I want to yeah, say I should... one thing. I do. I'm sorry. I do want to say one non-jokey thing, which is, um, you know, we had Colin Andrews on. I had a, 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 a dream. I don't know what to call it. Something in relation to that episode that actually physically healed my back. And so, for whatever did that, whatever thing in the universe decided that that's the guy I'm going to. Uh, shoot electricity through and heal uh, for no apparent reason. I, I, I just want to say I'm thankful for that because yeah. I, I can't figure out why that would be. I can't figure out why I would have, you know, any of these sort of experiences that, that um, other people are, you know, left guessing at or, or left um, wishing for, for better or for worse. Um, I don't know why any of that stuff is, but uh, I'm, I'm glad it's me. Because now I at least know uh, that the world is broader, deeper, richer than we here in the West allow it to be. Um, whatever that ultimately means, um, it's just good, good, good to know. You have to thank the other for uh, not only for you know giving us something to talk about, but actually trying to do something with us. <laughs> you know, I mean that's. That's that's for sure. I mean, you you got to be thankful that it that it uh, that it's there at all, and it's it's pinging on us, us back on on some level. That, Just a couple of screwheads, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty interesting stuff. So, absolutely, yeah, um, yeah. Well, you reminded me, dude. I should have, I definitely want to throw in thanks to my listeners and the people who make donations to Banal of America. I, I completely forgot, and uh, that was a mistake. Um, you know, and if, if you're not for them, like to donate to our show, uh, <laughs> and if you're listening, forgot like, you. <laughs> no, don't say that. Um, well, I think it's cool that there's people donating to you guys and donating to me and, and helping everybody out. So, I mean, that's great. And Take uh, your political dollars and give it to us. We'll, we'll do good. Exactly. With it. Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. We'll sure send it we to could. Colin Andrews. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Well, probably because I'm on your show, I didn't want to say anything about my listeners, but, you know, they're awesome, and, and they really have helped us out huge, so, you know, if not for them, what would be the point of doing a show, you know, it's like, they're kind of, you have to acknowledge that the audience is really the the driving force behind the program, or else, 
you know, you could just talk to, you just call these people and talk to them on the phone on your own. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. The end. Well, everybody, uh, yeah. I think we've learned a little something about love today. No? I don't have any reaction. I don't know what to say. Jeff after all this. Out, huh? How about a little Christmas cheer? <laughs> Happy holidays, everyone. Ho, ho, ho. Mazel tov. Are we done? Uh, yeah. Tim Benal, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> thanks thanks honestly, for having thank me. You, thanks for coming on um, on Christmas week, too. That's very uh, sweet of you. Thank you so much. Yes, thank well, you. I appreciate you having me on for the Christmas show. Um, you know, so I hope the listeners enjoyed it. I think it was a cool chance to uh, cut loose for all of us and talk a little bit about, you know, the stuff that we cover. Yep. So, it was a nice little peek behind the curtain, I think. Sweet dreams. Thank you.